and welcome back to another episode of the Old Dwing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We're talking strictly Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to zoom out a little bit on the Kansas City Chiefs game, kind of some big picture takeaways, what we learned, what we uh, can take for the Eagles going forward. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills game coming up on Sunday. Kelly Green jerseys are back. No one else to do with my man, my friend, Mr. Thomas Peterson. Thomas, how are we doing? We're doing great. We're doing uh, we're doing Kelly Green, so everything's great. You, I, I've, I've been looking forward to this week ever since they had the last Kelly Green, ever since the Dolphins game. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one, um, especially for me because I'm from from the Toronto area, and basically 50% of the people I know that watch football are Buffalo Bills fans. Um, a couple of my good friends are Buffalo Bills fans. My mom is a Buffalo Bills fan, so it's going to be a little bit of a rivalry there going on hopefully the eels can uh end the buffalo bill season that would drop them to six and six and you are doing better than me because i am six days onto a cold right now so my excuse or my apologies if i'm coughing during the episode but it's been a really rough last few days for me and i'm finally starting to get a little better so hopefully uh hopefully we're on the we're on the upswing here um question for you uh, regarding thanksgiving you brought up the fact that you do a friendsgiving in, a, in our personal chat but uh, are you doing anything special for Thursday? Yeah, I'm getting um, a handful of friends over, and uh, we're gonna we'll make a turkey with stuffing, and we're gonna do like Thanksgiving dinner, but with a twist because I don't like cornbread, and I think mashed potatoes are overrated, and I don't do whoa, 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 don't whoa, do the whoa, type whoa, of whoa. salads there. So it's gonna be like turkey stuffing, fries, hot wings, and and rib, uh, um. What's it called? Not ribeye. Uh, ribs. Ribs. Just basic, you know, basic ribs. Barbecue ribs. Um, Mashed and, potatoes uh, are overrated. Is what you, is the take you're coming out with here? Yeah, it's it's. I just think it's kind of. It's probably just because I'm not making them right. But yeah, it's just it gets a little boring when I make it. So yeah, all the other stuff you you can't fuck up. You put it in the oven and it gets it turns out great. Bro, mashed potatoes are like a top five favorite food for me. I am. Uh, I, I hate even when you make here. it though. When you I, don't, make I, I don't make anything, man. Do you exactly. think I cook? That's what, I'm, I that's what I'm saying. I'm the one making the deer. So whenever I do mashed potatoes, it tastes like uh, something that should have stayed in the fridge. I, like, as a kid growing up, my mom makes the fucking best mashed potatoes. It still does. My mom's an amazing cook, but. Oh, yeah, but don't, don't get me wrong. If somebody knows how to do it and they, they have the perfect, uh, you know, they have the the way to go about it, the perfect ingredient in terms of how much. Uh, I'm just putting it of what and, you know, actually making it a little bit more exotic. But if you're just, you know, boiling some potatoes and then mashing that up, it gets super boring. So, Isn't it just like mashing potatoes, though? Like, I, I could be completely wrong here, but isn't it pretty easy to make? Like, you're just emptying a potato or just squashing the shit? I, that, that's what I'm saying. If you do it this, the easy way, the super easy way, it just it, it just doesn't taste like it just tastes like potatoes and salt. The gravy is also key, too. You need, like, a good gravy with it. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. And I, I, uh, I'm a sucker for cranberry sauce, but I know my, my friends yeah. don't really like it. So we don't we don't go with that. I uh, I always bring this up every year on the podcast around this time. I get so jealous of American Thanksgiving. Um, Canadians just don't do it right. I think it's just a North American holiday. I could be completely wrong here. But Canadians do it in October. So I think it's the... First or second week of October, I can't remember. I was working it this year. I didn't eat turkey or anything. Like, I had to work night shifts all throughout Thanksgiving this year. So, I didn't get any Thanksgiving vibes, Thanksgiving with family, none of that this year. So, I'm, uh, like, uber more jealous this year of Americans, the way they do it. Um, and it's it's awesome. Like, you get football all day. You get the two days off, Black Friday. It's just, like, the American calendar does it perfect for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit fucked around here because it's the, you know the game start at six thirty p.m. and you have to work uh, yeah. the day after and you also work on Thursday when things are going on. So, and also if you want to make just something as stupid as making cranberry sauce, like cranberries are not really for sale at this point in Denmark times. I mean, you have to really go out of your way to find somewhere you can buy cranberries, and they're super expensive at this point. Uh, and it's it's just not eat, like even cornbread. You have to. They don't. We don't sell stuff like that here. So it's you have to really you know, get creative. You want to do like a classic Thanksgiving dinner, and yeah. What is like this? I could be crazy here, but like, what's the the 
like the Denmark food. Like, is a Danish considered a Denmark food? Like, you know what a Danish is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what it is. Uh, no. Um, no, no, it's not. But <laughs> the, the classic the classic Danish dishes, I, I wouldn't even know how to pronounce or how to... Give it. Give it a shot. Let's hear it. Um... So one thing will be, um, what, what are these called? In let me just try to do a direct translation of some. Of oh yeah, so it's ba uh, basically it's a type of meatball. Um, we call it frigadella, uh, okay. which is um, say that one more time. What do you call it? Frigadella. Frigadella. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's also oh we also do like uh there's a, a classic um, like apple um. Like imagine an apple pie that's been mashed up. Like all you have all the components just mashed up together, um, and but kind of like a an apple crumble, like a crumble. Yeah, apple, yeah, yeah, exactly, apple. like an apple crumble. Yeah, uh, a type of a type of, of dessert like that, and then sort of with whipped cream on top as well. It's also very classic Danish. Uh, and then there are a bunch of like really old traditional dishes. Uh, I don't, I don't really make that because I think it's boring, uh, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Danish kitchen in general. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very often with, with like classic Danish things, it's very meaty and it's, it's meat and potatoes a lot of the times. Uh, I, I fuck with it. I fuck with it. <laughs> meat potatoes guy. I, I can, I can live with it. Uh, I uh, I'm from a German background, so schnitzel. Do you, do you guys eat schnitzel? Um, yeah, yeah, we do those well. Yeah, oh, not in I... the not in the uh, in the exact same way you, they do in Germany as well. The Germany's use a lot more. Um, um, they they fry things a lot more. Yeah, um, and Spätzle. Have you ever tried Spätzle before? Oh, I'm not sure. Spätzle. Maybe Spätzle. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like a yeah. noodle. It's like a noodle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They don't do yeah. that here. Yeah. Especially anything that's called like anything with spaghetti or noodles or anything like that. And anything Italian is so far away from the Danish kitchen. Jason Kelsey called apple pie overrated on the podcast today. I don't know if I love that take. I'm, I like yeah. an apple pie. I'm a big okay. apple pie guy. Yeah. Um, I'm a big banana cream pie guy. I oh, love fuck yeah. Yeah. But then again, I also think it's kind of weird. Like all these things that you do make for dessert, and never get it anywhere else or, or at any point in time throughout the year. I would never make a banana cream pie December till till October. <laughs> then come November, you do it. You're not time. just randomly whipping up a banana cream pie in February. Just Actually, does. I didn't once uh, <laughs> for uh, for like the when I think once I worked at a department. I think it was I think actually it was oncology because we were so few people that I made I made a banana cream pie there for them. Uh, that, that was actually pretty well received. Nice. All right. Well, maybe next time uh, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna go see my brother in Germany. Um, in uh in a few months my brother plays Russian hockey there maybe I'll, we'll, we'll talk about maybe making a trip to did Denmark you get, um did you get Gamknödel last time you were in Germany I haven't been to Germany in a long time um okay since I was like grade seven so this would have been like fuck, 15 years ago maybe longer than that um I went for my brother's hockey tournament my brother's actually been a professional hockey player there for the last four years um I haven't gone and see, saw him yet but I'm planning on going in March Okay. Um, so hopefully. So this yeah. is basically like a a warm dried dough, where inside you have like a prune prune marmalade, like prune gel, and then you have a vanilla sauce on top of it. Oh, it tastes awful. Fuck me, buddy. I want that now. I'm getting <laughs> way too hungry here. We gotta get off the food topic. I'm getting way too hungry here. Um. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles defeat the Kansas City Chiefs twenty one. 217 um absolute wild game uh i'll guess i'll just throw it to you where you want to start what what kind of the maybe the biggest takeaway from the football game is um i'll kind of just let you take the lead here all right uh i'll i'll start off with uh which with sean desai uh putting together a defense that forced miami dolphins into one of the best offense in the league to have their worst epa per play offensive performance against the eagles and then this game where Offense kept giving the ball back to the Chiefs time and time again, three and out, three and out, three and out, turnover, three and out, and the defense just kept uh, kept them in the game all throughout. They um, they went out there and and got a turnover when they needed it with Kevin Byard, got a turnover when they needed it with Bradley Roby, disguised a bunch of different coverages, a lot of different blitz packages. They they threw at Patrick Mahomes. When I was watching the game, 
what I really noticed was how many times we saw Patrick Mahomes running and all the scrambling. And it was frustrating because he was he was successful at it more he, often than not. He's the most annoying quarterback to watch play against men. Like, like yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Like the, the aesthetic of him scrambling out of the pocket, if, like if you're rooting for the other team, pisses me off. I, it's uh yeah. He's a very frustrating player to, to root against. Especially because I think there's like a curve of the more Patrick Mahomes starts scrambling, the more his tongue sticks out his his mouth all the time. Like whenever they do like close above him, you just see his tongue all over his face mm-hmm. while he's it's so fun to see because you, you can just yeah. tell when he's when he's concentrating and focusing, he just he just his tongue is all over the place. Yeah. And he always he always seems to have like that one half or half step ahead of everyone. I don't like he's yes. not like I don't get it. Like he's just he's a very, he's very good it's also kind of like the the like effect of expectancy. You just expect him to find somebody wide yeah. open because he's mm-hmm. he just he has such an overview of everything that's going on. Um, but I thought when I watched it that it was more a result of him not necessarily seeing the field or finding open guys more than it was Eagles actually forcing him out of the pocket and forcing him to you know to to to, to scramble. Then when you watch the game. Oh, watch the all twenty-two afterwards. You see all these different type of blitz packages. You see them disguising coverages, going from man coverage look right into zone, zone coverage looks right into man. Six guys to the line, showing different types of pressure, and then bailing out of it. Um, and and they did it. They did it successfully. Uh, came out of the game. You come out of the game. You saw the 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 drops. Obviously, hurt the uh, hurt the Chiefs. But but it wasn't the. Aside of, uh, of of maybe two or three drops from from that offense, everything was forced upon them uh, by the Eagles defense. And I, I'll go as much as to say, despite how um, despite despite the drops that we saw, Patrick Mahomes made some unbelievable passes in this game to keep them even at the, at, at the point where they got down the field. Because other, other throw to that, Justin Watson, that throw to Justin throw, Watson on the sideline, exactly. Oh. Fuck me. Throw to Jeff Beautiful. Watson, but, but also so many other of the throws where it just looked like there's a throw to Marcus Valdez Scandling where he's coming on a curl where James Brapper is in coverage on him. And it looks like he, that Marcus Valdez Scandling is simply not, uh, he, that he doesn't make the catch. But to the fact is that, 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 that Bradbury had so tight coverage on them that Marcus was trying to like loop outside and Patrick had to lean him so much to the outside because of the coverage that it was, it became uncatchable. So it was more a fact of the coverage than it was actually the receiver not making the play. So I was I was really impressed by Sean Desai's scheme and more important so the execution from it from from the defense. Yeah, it was very interesting his game plan because I noticed it right out the gate they were sending guys at him um, at Patrick Mahomes. That was their game plan uh, throughout the bye week was we're going to send more than six and we're going to play man coverage behind it. We think our defensive backs can't lock up against these Chiefs receivers and the stats back it up. So. I looked this up yesterday. Um, Chiefs or the Eagles, sorry, have only sent more than six guys 14 times all season. Thomas, they rarely blitz. In this game, they sent it, they sent more than six guys eight times, six or more, eight times. That is game plan specific, and they played the highest man coverage rate behind that at 43.4 percent in the in the entire game. Um, it's funny because if you were to ask me. I think when we did our Chiefs preview, I did not expect him to blitz. Patrick Holmes is a very hard quarterback to blitz. Like you said, he scrambles a lot. Um, he's good at finding guys open. So usually, like the the game plan to stop Patrick Mahomes is drop eight, rush three, um, and confuse him and try to make get him to make a mistake. We saw it in the uh, the the, the champ and AFC Championship game two years ago against the Cincinnati Bengals. Lou Anarumo at halftime basically just said, "We're not sending anyone. We're going to drop eight in coverage." And that was like the worst half Patrick Mahomes has ever played. The Bengals obviously go on to the Super Bowl and win that game in overtime. Uh, like Mahomes and Dak Prescott, I think, are always like one-two against the Blitz. Those are two very hard quarterbacks you don't want to send pressure against. So it's it's interesting that this is the game plan that Desai came up with, and, and it worked. And I think it was more kind of the trust in the guys behind. Like he had faith in Bradley Roby. He had faith in Kevin Byer. He had faith in Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Reed Blankenship to cover the specific Chiefs receivers. I'm. I don't think this would be the game plan to stop Kansas, uh, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City in any other year. I think it's because they thought these Chiefs wide receivers can't match up with us, um, and we're we're going to just attack man on man here. So I, I was very kind of thrown off by the game plan and very impressed by it because this is not something I expected coming. Yeah, and you also you 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 hint on as well like 
the, the return of Bradley Roby and, and your ability to match personnel with the guys you're playing against really goes a long way in that. I mean, the 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 effect of, of Bradley Roby being back w- was really palpable. Like he, mm-hmm. he he was so smooth running around out there. He was he was really good in, in coverage. Now obviously you only you have the stats in terms of targets and and and, and um, passes allowed. And bear in mind, he was the guy who was trailing Marcus Vela scantling to to uh, at the end there, where they could have had a go ahead touchdown. But that's even a tough like, spot. that's a very that's tough, a tough spot for him to be in, and it's yeah, one play. And it's a good run, right? Like it's a yeah, guy you exactly. don't want to put one on one. So tough spot exactly. from there. Yeah, yeah. And, and you look at the whole like the game as a whole. He he played really well, and especially to the point I was making in terms of disguising things, because Bradley has the the athleticism and the speed to show one thing and then do another without really losing a step in your next assignment. Uh, so he's he's the type of guy who can line up in in like in line up in a zone look and then find a guy and play man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a really smart zone uh, defender. Like playing flat in a zone uh, scheme as a slot cornerback is not always easy because you gotta you gotta always leverage how much you want to get depth and how much you want to give up in the flat in terms of your own ability and making making a tackle on guys. Mm-hmm. He was physical as well coming up against the run. Yes. He kind of, I kind of got Maddox vibes a little bit from him a little bit. Like he reminded, like he's kind of got the same uh, hair a little bit, like the numbers different, but the one, so the very first chiefs drive of the the game, um, I think it was like, it was after the Josh sweat or after the Son Reddick sack, I think it was like third and 14, third and 15. They run a bubble. They run a screen to Jarek McKinnon and Roby comes flying and and makes the tackle on that stop. And I, I think, I don't. I can't remember the play exactly, but if Roby doesn't make that tackle, I think there's space behind him. So he kind of reminded me of Avante Maddox in the run game a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, really good job in space. Um, yeah, so I, I think it was really promising for him to get back. We, we yeah. talked so much about about secondary stability in the couple of uh, last couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's um it's a kind of a breath of fresh air to have a veteran in there, right? Like you had. Sydney Brown, Eli Ricks, they they went through every single young DB. They could like uh we had um Mario Goodrich at some points. Like they cycled through every one of those young DBs that they had in training camp and that made the roster and it just wasn't working. And then they bring in a veteran, like I think Roby's in his 30s, right? 31, 30 years old, something like that. Like he's been in the league a long time. You said like he's very good, he can switch off coverages, he's he's just he knows the game. So I think it's just kind of a breath of fresh air for uh for the Eagles to have kind of a veteran in there. What if I told you, a little fun fact here, fun side note. What if I told you that Josh Sweat had a man coverage snap against Travis Kelsey? No. How that? I, I don't. I don't recall this. How'd that go? It did fine. I mean, yeah. Sweat Island. Sweat, sweat Island, Island, baby. Sweat on locks. What you were? Strap, going, what, you're what, what, what do you want to call him? Sweat. Uh, <laughs> sweat strap. Strap sweat. Sweaty no, straps. Like I, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like what just came out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to get a better nickname than that. I'll put it up. Yeah, dis- disregard that. We we'll maybe we'll we'll find we'll find one. We'll put up the clip. We'll we'll let the people. Talk. <laughs> That's funny. I, I didn't I didn't catch that at all. Um, that uh that Josh Sweat was in coverage. He was really really good. Yeah. In this game, Josh Sweat. Um, I thought there could have been five to six, seven holding calls. Uh, he was giving Donovan Smith like tons of trouble. His get off was really good too. Um, they clearly studied the the snap count uh, of Creed Humphrey throughout the bye week. Joshua was getting off the ball really well. Hassan Reddick got off the ball really well. Um, we talked about it on the Chiefs preview episode where the Hassan Reddick and Joshua are arguably the MVPs of the Eagles this season. Like if you were to just say who are the most valuable guys, it's Joshua and Hassan Reddick. Like they combined last game had sixteen pressures, ten hurries, five quarterback hits, a twenty one point one percent pass rush win rate. That is a uh, very good. So they they did a hell of a job. And we and they had to because the interior of the line of the Kansas City Chiefs is very good. Like Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, and Creed Humphrey are arguably the best three interior guys in the NFL. Um, you could even put the Eagles in there. I, I thought the Eagles offensive line did play very well. We'll talk about that in a sec. But um, I uh, I was very impressed with the Chiefs interior. They they held their own. Jalen Carter had some good reps. Um, and he he did he did he did, he did his own. He was able to kind of escape the Get Mahomes out of the pocket a few times, but talk other about than that, he holdings as well. Yeah, and Milt Williams, I thought played really well. We'll talk about him too. Um, but I didn't think it was Fletcher Cox, and I think Jordan Davis had a really rough game. Um, he hasn't been the same since that injury, man. They need to get him. I, I was hoping he would look a little better, but he uh, he did not get uh, didn't get I guess healthy enough on the bye week. Yeah, no, Milton Williams exploded in this game. You hinted at Ooh. it. I mean, 
his his ability against the run in this game. I mean, st- still kind of like you're not seeing like it's also it's it's kind of difficult when the guy you're, you're next to is Jalen Carter, but it's just he Milton Williams' ability in the run game is it has to be it has to be mentioned because it's 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 every it's every time he gets an opportunity and he does it in so many ways. Like the way he can take on a double team, where he can just swipe across of guys and, and make like quick swim moves to get across and get tacked in the backfield. It's impressive. He's been like the unsung hero of this Eagles run defense. Um, I was looking up this morning. He is second in the NFL in run stop percentage of all defensive linemen, um, only behind Cam Hayward. Uh, though it's a minimum of 80 snaps. That's really impressive. Like to be in that category, like Cam Hayward is one of the better run stuffers. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Like that's how good Cam Hayward is. So to kind of be in that area um, is, is really impressive. Yeah, he was awesome. Like the. He had that one. I think he had a TF, two TFLs in the backfield in this game. Um, he was he was awesome. He's really coming around. It's funny too because I think the guy. You remember the on that draft day? It was Howie and uh, God. Who's the who's the personnel director that Howie? Tom Donahue. Tom Donahue. I think right. Where the, yeah. the fake. Remember the props when they were kind of arguing yeah. in, the, in the draft yeah. room. It was over Aleem McNeil. And Milton Williams, both of those guys are playing really well. Lee McNeil is exactly. really good. Both really good players. Kind of I different guess they kind of both are right. <laughs> yeah, they, I think yeah, and they're different players. Lee McNeil is more of a, a, a like a thumper. He's like I think he's a, a, about three hundred pounds. So they, I think the Milton Williams fits the Eagles better because you already got Jordan Davis, so you don't really need that type of guy. But um, yeah, both uh, both Tom Donahue and, and Howie Roseman were able to find uh, both like some nice interior defensive linemen in that third round of that draft. Absolutely. Um. Okay, let's talk uh, on the defense. Is there anything else on the defensive side of the ball? Um, I thought Jerry Slay and James Bradbury played really well. Um, they held their own. Uh, I thought they uh, did a good job in coverage. Jerry Slay, that was a pass breakup on that fourth and twenty-five play. Um, it looked like a drop. Um, I'm on at the uh, the first watch. Second watch, Jerry Slay made a hell of a play uh, getting back there. So I think it was encouraging to see that too. Yeah, I think I think Darius played played well overall. Like I said, it's kind of the same with with, with Bradley Roby. Like one thing is is the targets and the catches allowed in that, but but I mean this game there were just a lot of there's so many double clutches from Patrick Mahomes and so many scrambles out the pocket, and really that's it's just a testament to all the guys in the backfield. And I think Darius Lay held his own in that regard as well. Um, I think um, I think you had. Um, you you had it you had it pretty well in terms of Kevin Byard. I mean, he came up and made it made an interception this game. That was huge. He made a third down stop to make it fourth and one as well. That was also a really good play. But when you're looking at the all twenty two of this game and you're seeing the guy the way guys are moving, James Bradbury, Darius Slay, Bradley Roby, Reed Blankenship, and even when we had uh, Sidney Brown in there, Kevin Byard is just not the same type of athlete right now that the other guys are. That when he's running around, he's he's not he's half a step slower than the other guys. So sometimes it's going to look a little bit more awkward when he's in there. And if he takes a wrong step when he's in man coverage, it's going to give up a, a, a uh, it's going to give up a catch here and there. That happened as well against against uh, against the Travis Kelsey. Now obviously that is that's tough competition. It's Travis Kelsey. He's really good. But you you can see like you from if you go in this game and you see snaps of Brad Roby covering Travis and you see snaps of Kevin Byard in against Travis Kelsey they're winning in different ways and when Kevin takes one misstep relative to these other guys that I mentioned it's very noticeable and mm-hmm. I think I think that is why Kevin Byard has been targeted twelve times in this game and he was targeted what eight times against um against Dallas um and so. I think teams are seeing that. I think they're targeting. Yeah, they are. They're focusing that right now, since Byard has been acquired by the Eagles, teams are zoning in on him as the guy that they want to attack. Yeah. I will say, though, the, the touchdown that that uh, that he's been um, accredited in the Travis Kelsey touchdown, that looked very much like Darius Slay was late. When you look back on it, Darius' reaction when he's seeing Travis come out is the reaction of a guy who's thinking, "Shit, I didn't do the, I, <laughs> I missed mm-hmm. him, or he's late to it." Uh, I think that also re- relative to what they did the rest of the game, it looked like Kevin was supposed to have the inside, uh, have uh, uh, have the outside guy coming in, and Darius was supposed to take the guy, uh, tag, uh, take Travis coming out, ba- like banjo them. And so I think it was kind of, I think he's, he, I think Kevin got too much. Um, uh, 
fault for that touchdown, but I think he's not getting enough for the rest of the targets that's being thrown at him because I can, when you see the tape, you can understand why he's the guy they're targeting. Yeah. The first one, too, uh, to Justin Watson, it looked like the Eagles were in man coverage across the board, and it looks like Bayard didn't know the play. Yeah. Because he was the only guy not in man coverage, exactly. unless he was yeah. a spy uh, on Mahomes, which I highly doubt. Because yeah, I don't 100%, 100%, 100% correct. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like that touchdown was on him as well. Um, it was very funny. I uh, We talked about on the Chiefs episode, the preview episode, where, like, when it's too early to start worrying about Kevin Byard, like, it's still early. Um, and then after that touchdown, I put a feeler out on Twitter. I'm like, when are we allowed to start worrying about Kevin Byard? And then the next drive, he has an interception. And I look like a fucking idiot. So I will own that. But, uh, yeah, like, he, uh, it's funny because he's a very, very important player for this team going forward. Like, they just acquired him, but he is, like, the nucleus of this defense going forward right now. They need him to play well. They need him to force turnovers. They need him to throw uh, defend passes. Like it, it's it's wild to think how important Kevin Byard and Bradley Roby are to this team. And both those guys weren't on the roster to start the year. They're the Linvon Joseph and Dominican Sue. And like times two though, like because Linvon Joseph and, and Dominic Sue were in a rotation, oh, yeah, right? Like they, they weren't started. Like, but remember how bad the entire interior D line situation was. Yeah, no, you're right. But like Bradley Rope, like Kevin Byard played 100 percent of snaps last game. Like yeah, Bradley right. Rope, I think played a different match. Also, different position though. That's fair. Yeah, I know. But my, I, it's just they're, you're, those guys are just emphasized, I think, more than, than Linval Joseph and Dominic Stewart. Yeah, um, and just are going to be more vital to this team. So um, it's wild. Like this, it's like every year. It's there's new like training camp. The roster isn't completely set at all. Like there's Shaquille always Griffin? time. Like that. Sorry, uh, Sha- uh, Shaquille Shaquille Leonard. Shaq Leonard, yeah, let's talk about him. But before we uh, before we move on to the offense, um, I think there's a real shot. He's an eagle. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I, I this kind of screams Howie Roseman addition. However, I would like pump the brakes on like how good he's gonna be, how important he's gonna be, if we'll even play. Like I think it's more of just like let's see if we can get lightning in a bottle here. But I would uh, I would like I low. It's that yeah. it's it's it, it's another it's another veteran that you can add to a room that's already been decimated by injuries and your your best chance of a backup linebacker at this point is Ben Ben Van Sumeren who's getting elevated from the practice squad. I mean, both more give credit Morrow and Cunningham they're playing they're playing good football. Morrow was a was a key contributor in in the pass defense in this game. He did a really good Cunningham job. Well too. I thought Cunningham yeah, had a good game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a good game. Just in, in I think in, in another aspect, like Cunningham is absolutely the thumper of the two. I think Morrow is the more disciplined of the guys in coverage when they have to do in coverage. I don't like the aspect of Cunningham coverage, but I mean, there's a rep of of, of Cunningham when he's going against um, uh, Pacheco. Pacheco's releasing out of the back uh, out of the backfield. He's going like up the middle, and he's kind of he's going on an out route afterwards. Cunningham puts a, puts a hand on him and totally depletes him, and it's within five yards. I'm I'm glad that was a no call because it's one of those they could have easily called illegal contact on that. If they're if they were being picky in that situation, but yeah, I thought I thought that was cool because I just you watch that play, you said that's how Cunningham's got to be winning in coverage, just smothering a guy before they get to five yards. Yeah, um, and Cunningham on on the Hassan Reddick sack at the, on the beginning of the game, he was right in there too. Like he, yeah. he, he got pressure up the middle, so um, I like the way Zach Cunningham's playing. And yeah, just uh, just to finish off on Leonard, like I, it, it's kind of screams like Eagle signing because. He's not going to get cleaned off waivers. I highly doubt that any team's going to take on that contract. Um, well, we'll find out at like I think 4 p.m. today. Um, he'll be a free agent, and then he can kind of pick and choose where he wants to go. And if you if you're him, if you're Shaq Leonard's agent, and you're and you're Shaq, and you're thinking looking around the league and going, where can I possibly find the most playing time? And when and can I win a Super Bowl? They kind of match perfectly, right? Like the Eagles don't have good linebackers, and they're a contender. So like it just kind of seems like a match made in heaven. But again, I, I have no idea what he could contribute. You're muted. Sorry, I mean he, he he's, no he's 28, so like he he's in time. He can get a second contract if he can go in here. He has this this line in front of him, and he can play free, run around, make plays. He can show that he's not just a guy who should have been wavered uh, halfway through the season, but can actually go in there and contribute and earn himself another uh, spot as a starter. Yeah, motivated. Like he's definitely got a fire under his ass right now um, to get cut like this. So. Um, definitely, definitely worth a definitely worth a peek, and I'm sure Harry Rosen will do that. Um, one last thing on the defense: the run defense in the first half was not good. Um, that was kind of how the Chiefs got most of the yards. It's funny because that's what worked in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs as well. 
Um, they, they really ran the ball well in that game, and they spammed it again. And it was attacking the edges to what I rewatched. The, uh, I couldn't get my hands on the L22 yet. I'm still pissed off to zone. I hasn't got it up yet. So I had to watch the game in the, the, the short and condensed game. Um, and I noticed like they were really hammering Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat on the edges because they're they're just basically countering them getting upfield, and it, it burned uh, it burned them. Yeah, and the I think time. they caught them in in, in a couple of situations where where both um, both Sweat and or Hassan were 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 looping inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the and, one the one big Pacheco run on the second Chiefs drive of the game when they scored the touchdown, Hassan Reddick is looping inside, and then the tight end just like pushes them back yeah. inside even further. He had he didn't have a chance. Exactly, and. And on a couple of the other ones, it, it's clear to see that that a safety, often it was it was Kevin Byard, has to come out and and, and take the take the force player role, but he's just laid out there, and the slot defender kind of gets uh, the slot wide receiver just kind of gets in the way, and he doesn't make it to the edge, and they get like ten yards off of that. But yeah, I think it was it was timely calls often from the from the Chiefs that um, that where Eagles already had a stunt in place where either uh, either of the edges were going inside. And then a, a few of the plays was also uh, was also just uh, you know Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith being 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 three good blockers and displacing Fletcher Cox a couple of times. Not Fletcher Cox's best game, that's for sure. Um, yeah, he like dip his hands in water before every single drive too. Like he was slipping. He could have a couple of close ones though. He got he got he got a couple of of, of plays in there where he, he he swipes away the offensive lineman to, right to begin with, and then he's just half a step half a step slow uh, to get yeah. to the running back who could have been a, a, a tackle for loss, and it turns out being a ten yard gain instead. Yeah, like he just he, he had a trouble like a tough time wrapping up too. And I will say that that penalty on him was bullshit uh, on that oh, yeah. that personal foul like. I tweeted out like, "What the hell? What the fuck does the NFL expect him to do here? Like, he's a three hundred pound man. Like, I, I, he can't just stop on a dime. It's uh, the, the the officiating in this game was not good either. Um, on both sides, I thought there were missed calls on both sides. I, oh yeah, it felt like they were just like calling the dumb shit and then leaving the obvious stuff open. Like it was they they weren't seeing the field very well. Um, anything right. else for the defense? Um. No, I think the rotational guys just to just to give a couple. I think um, Eli Ricks had a couple of really good snaps in there, like a really. Uh, I think he had like I don't know how many. If I off the top of my head of what I saw from him was five really good snaps where he's in man coverage against the slot receiver, and he he played really sticky coverage even though he was playing off. Um, that was really good to see. I think Sidney Brown played a little bit more free, and the couple of times he did get in there, uh, the Travis Kelsey uh, uh, conversion on fourth down and one, I believe it was there, and one of the last drives where Sidney Brown he comes up, it's uh, it's Kevin Byard and man coverage and Travis. Like I said before, Travis takes one step out, Kevin takes one step out. He's a little bit late coming in. Sidney Brown almost knocks the ball out on that mm-hmm. play, uh, like really big hit he he puts on Travis. Um, but yeah, I think the rotational guys did a good job as well. And uh, Nolan Smith only had five snaps in this game. Um, kind of disappointing with Derek Burnett and active. I expected him to get more reps. Um, they're just not trusting him right now. Um, so I don't I mean, think he's. You said it yourself. Sweat and Hassan are, are, are the MVPs of the team. And and even though they're in there for so many of the majority of the snaps, even in the fourth quarter, they're still getting pressure. Like they're not showing signs of. Of, of of fatigue, I think that's very just notable noticeable with, with Josh Sweat because I mean the knock on him was that his knee wasn't strong enough to continue being on the field for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and here he is taking the with the most snaps on the team on on D line. Yeah, his snaps have drastically increased. This is the most snaps he's played by far in a season. Um, big picture on the defense, I think the this is very encouraging going forward. Just seeing how Sean decides to shut down Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins offense and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. Like, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be feeling really good about what you got in Sean Desai. And like the big stat, I know it's like a very generic stat here, but look at the Chiefs' last four drives in the Super Bowl: touchdown, 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 game-winning field goal. The Eagles' defense literally shouldn't have, like, couldn't even been on the field, and then this the result would have been the exact same in the Super Bowl. And this one, you get uh, down, or you get you get uh, three or punt, punt, punt. Uh, interception or fumble, punt, punt, punt on down. So six drives, zero points, zero points now in both games in the second half against the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Like Jonathan Gannon can never do this. Like just the emergence of Sean Desai and and leveling up and playing up to the competition that you have is so important. And they have got so many good quarterbacks they're about to play and so many good teams and offenses are about to play. So you got to be feeling really good if you're an Eagles fan of what you're seeing from Sean Desai. 
Yeah, and I thought it was kind of uh, kind of uh, noticeable. Uh, uh, Denise Solomon on on Twitter put out a an, an EPA page where it has Eagles offense and the uh, Eagles uh, opponent um, uh, opponents offense and the EPA per player they have. And in every single of the games where the Eagles have negative negative EPA on offense, the defense are holding the opponent's offense to negative EPA as well. So the Eagles defense are playing their best when the Eagles offense is playing their worst. Hell so yeah, it's, it's 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 super complementary football. Um, yep. and I think that's that that was really awesome to see because you're not just blowing teams out the way like when when you're struggling, defense can't can't make a stop or, the, or make the stop that they need. This is um. I mean, football is so uh, it's 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 random. Sometimes the offense sucks, and then you got to have your defense step, take over. Sometimes your defense is struggling against Washington. Eagles offense come right back, and they take the lead there. Yeah, it kind of matches too if you think about it. Like, uh, this it's cool the stats back it up, but if you just remember throughout the year, like there have been in so many close games, right? Like it's it's so different than last year. Like it's I, I can't remember an Eagles season where there's been so many tight games like this. Uh, maybe I'm just like 2020 was a disaster. 2021, I guess, was a little similar. Um, but like last year, they were blowing teams out. So like this year, you kind of need both sides of being cohesion. So it's uh it's nice to see. Okay, let's move on to the offense. So probably this is the this was the second worst EPA per drive and EP per play performance by the Eagles offense this season, only behind week one against the New England Patriots. Um, I thought Thomas, this was Jalen Hurts' worst game of the year, to be honest. Um I saw a lot of bad habits that I was uh, kind of disappointed to see from uh, from pre from like 2021. Eyes dropping from the start of the game, like the first drive of the game. If you go back at that first sack, um, it was like two seconds. Eyes to the ground, eyes to the rushers. I thought Kenny Gainwell did a good job on the pit, uh, the blitz pickup there too. Lane Johnson held Chris Jones well, and his eyes are just dropping, and he's afraid of the pressure. And that was the entire, basically the entire game, um, except for the second drive, which we're going to get into. But I, I uh, not Jalen Hurts' best performance. He came up big when it mattered, and that, that's all. I guess in the big picture, like that's the takeaway, because he played really well. Again, played really well in the second half. He played well enough in the second half to win. Yeah, well enough, um, I think is the word for it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but like just overall, wasn't a good Jalen Hurts day. No, I think um, I agree with you. I will. Ju- I will add that this was the worst I've seen the Eagles' offensive line play for sure. In for sure, years. Um, what, and, what, before you go, what, what was Lane Johnson doing on the one Chris Jones sack? Because it wasn't, it wasn't a screen pass, right? No. Like this, it wasn't a screen pass. I watched it play like 10 times today. I was trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. The only explanation, there's two explanations I can have. One, he's trying that play when you remember when he threw, uh, Von Miller. Yeah. When he like smacks him, he's trying he's to do that. Find any power to his punch. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to do that or he's trying to pass it off to Kenny Gainwell Gainwell looked confused before the snap. Like he's asking Jalen Hurts, what am I doing? What am I doing? So maybe he's thinking I'm um, passes off to Gainwell, but like passing Chris Jones off to yeah. Kenneth Gainwell, it's not like the best uh best plan there. So I'm very confused at what happened there. Also, but yeah, the offensive line just, was not good. Also, uh, I mean, one explanation could be that Lane Johnson thought it was a screen because he blocked it exactly like he thought it was a screen yeah. as well. Um but also the Trent McDuffie blitzes, like Lane just didn't. He doesn't see it. He doesn't slide out. He doesn't even like. He doesn't put a hand on it. It was. It was a. It was a bad day for him. It was a rough day for Lanton Dickerson as well. Yeah. Um, Cam Jurgens oh, had some trouble too. The they, they collapsed up the middle. I this think is the first um, time Thomas I can remember a long time where the Eagles O line got bullied. Like they got and, bullied. Yeah. And, and and Chandler Jones showed uh, that. He's he's the he's the best defensive line in the lineman in the NFL right now. Chris Jones. Chris Jones, exactly. Chandler is the other guy him. is probably yeah. not uh yeah, who knows where Chandler Jones is up to right now. Um, but yeah, he and that's part of it too. Like the Chiefs D line just played really well. They're they're a dog defense, like they're yeah. good, like they, they're feisty, they're nasty. Um, and I thought Spagnolo did a really nice job of mixing up his blitzes and exactly, sending guys yeah. in different areas. Like they were they they spammed the defensive black blitz basically the entire game, like the Duffy, yeah. they had guys coming out the edges, but they were doing it in creative ways. Like they were sometimes pulling them inside the Eagles, like the, the, I guess the Jeff Stoutland game plan and how we're, how we're picking up blitzes and whatnot just was not working. Um, and right to get back to the drawing board for something like that going forward. And they're, they're the perfect example of, of when you have a D line with one superstar in Chris Jones, and then you have a bunch of other guys who are good enough. And you can scheme them open. You can scheme pressure that way. It's exactly what Steve Pagnola did. 
Mm-hmm. Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay, like they're not great pass rushers, but they're fast. They're physical. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll, they'll apply they'll, they'll apply pressure to get the quarterback moving. DeAndre Swift, I thought was the DeAndre Swift and Devonta Smith. Uh, DeAndre Swift and Devonta Smith, sorry, were the kind of the saviors of this game. They played yeah. really well. Devonta Smith, I don't think, is getting enough credit in the media for how well he played. Um, it's because he got 99 yards the second time this year, he doesn't get 100. Um, but uh, Swift as well. I mean, Swift yeah. forced nine missed tackles in this game. He he read the field well. Like he he had that that second drive. He had one run to the edge. Um, they had AJ Brown kind of coming out of the backfield, and then DeAndre Swift uh like cuts up the field and makes two guys misses on a seven yard run. It was really impressive. He's been awesome this year, and like he matches eye test. Like he's been like the best pickup the Eagles maybe have had all offseason. They got him for like a fifth round pick in 2025. It's it, the eye test to Miles Sanders from last year to DeAndre Swift this year is night and day because Miles Sanders was running through some open holes and the Eagles run blocking was a lot better in 2022 than this year. DeAndre Swift has had to do a lot more than Miles Sanders has had to do. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, eye test is one thing, um, but it, right now as through, through 10 games, uh, Swift has for 31 missed, Tackles, thirty-one mistakes. You want to? Rem- Do you think Miles Sanders did that in his career with the Eagles? No, I was going to ask. Do you have the numbers behind Miles Sanders' missed tackles from last year? So, um, Miles Sanders, uh, he had. Let's see here. His last season, he had thirty-one missed tackles in twenty nineteen, twenty-nine missed tackles in twenty twenty, and third tw- uh, twenty-one missed tackles forced in twenty twenty-one. So in ten games, Swift is already ahead of of Miles Sanders in each of his thir- first three seasons. He has nine missed tackles for us this season with the Carolina Panthers. Um, then he had a monstrous amount of attempts with the Eagles in 2022. So he had 300 uh, rushing attempts, 50 missed tackles for us. Now, DeAndre Swift this season has 100 and, and, and 140, and he has 31. So you double that up, he is, I mean, he's way above 70 missed tackles for yeah. if you get the same amount. So, yeah, the uh, the stats back up the eye test as well there. And that's not something you were expecting from DeAndre Swift when you got him. Like, you, you weren't expecting him to be like this this guy that breaks tackles and, and, and forces guys like uh, defenders to do that. So um, beyond impressed with him, great pickup. Um, such an underrated kind of asset to this Eagles team and Eagles success so far this year. Um, there's more on the offense before we kind of zoom out a little bit. Uh, what else notes do I have here? The throw that Jalen Hurts made to Devonta Smith was beautiful, and it was a great that coming up. Talk about coming up big. Um, and I thought it was huge because I think those throws were there a lot of the game. Like I, I think if the Eagles' offensive line held up, and Jalen Hurts was able to kind of keep his eyes upfield, I think a lot of those throws were there. Troy Aikman did a really good job of explaining it. I think it was in the third quarter. Also, I, off topic, I thought the broadcast was great. I thought it was Joe Buck and Joe, Troy Aikman's like best game. They they came to play uh, and came to came to perform uh, on the biggest stage. So uh, hats off to them. But Troy Aikman did a good job of showing like just AJ Brown about to spit. There were like at least five or six plays where those guys are open downfield and the offensive line and Jalen Hurts just couldn't hold up. So um, it was nice to see them hit that hit that one shot. Um, Julio Jones in the screen game was. Active. Oh my god! Like, oh, even, god. I don't like. I don't. The begin the fourth want, quarter where they had like four four wide receiver screens. I mean, I know, I know a lot of them were RPOs. Mm-hmm. They had like three three wide receiver screens. They gained zero zero minus one yard. And they they did it all game to like open up the run. Like if you a lot of like I think there was about five DeAndre Swift runs where were on the RPOs where Julio Jones is doing a pop pass route like. I don't. I don't know why during the bye week they like they zoomed in on Julio Jones as like the screen guy, but uh, it like I think he had what he had two catches for like nine yards or something like that. He he got like a seven yard gain on one of the screens, so one of them at least worked positive. But I thought that was interesting. Um, what else do I have here on the offense? Um, I think that's it. Let's uh let's zoom out a little bit here and talk about the. I'll offense. just uh, one 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 add a thing to you said. Devontae Smith now back to back weeks where he is the difference that caught that that, get, that gets him the dub. The touchdown he th- he the touchdown he had against the Cowboys, unbelievable catch right at the sideline. That's the go ahead touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. This this one here against the uh, against the Chiefs, if, if Jalen Hurts puts it just a little bit more in front of him, that's the go ahead touchdown as well without the tush push. It's uh 
he may not have the 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 stats to be up there with the best of the best, but if you just want to count wins in terms of difference on the field, Devontae uh, um, Smith is right there. 100%. Like, he's having a really good year. Like, he's got 632 receiving yards already, four touchdowns. He's been kind of their deep threat as well, like you said, getting the, pushing the ball downfield. He's He could pass 1,000 yards by the end of the year. It, it's insane how underrated he gets because A.J. Brown has been so damn good this season overall. Like, Devonta Smith is just right there. Like, he's still a top 10 receiver in the NFL, even if, like, he doesn't have the Tyree Kill and A.J. Brown stats. But you're right. He's come up massive for this team in back-to-back weeks on two deep shots. And Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith are really good on the deep balls. Like, they 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 connect well, like, when, when they're go deep to those two guys. Uh, when those two guys, sorry, um, try to connect deep. So, it's um, encouraging to see. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the play calling a little bit here. How worried are you going forward about Brian Johnson's play calling? Nine out of ten. You think it's a big problem? I think it's a massive problem. Okay. I think it's one of the biggest problems of this game. I understand with the offensive line struggles that they wanted to get the ball out quickly and distribute it a little bit more, but I mean, we're we're two weeks away from from Jalen Hurts being absolutely hammered in the knee and hobbling off the field and talking about reactivating his knee injury, and you're out here running quarterback draws again. They I, they scored on it. That's great. I just, I just still don't understand why it has to be a handful of your plays in the game. I'm gonna push back on this. I, I don't think the play calling is. I think the play calling is getting over exaggerated. I think in certain spots, Brian Johnson hasn't been good. Like I thought the 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 fourth down drive where they got he gets conservative too easy, um, too much. Like that that fourth down drive, I really or that fourth quarter drive at the end, I really would like to see them kind of put the ball, put the game out of reach, and get that first down. They end up punting. Like, let's all be real here. When they punted, we all thought Mahomes was going to come down and score, right? Like, it, every, every Eagles fan thought that. So that was disappointing. Um, I just think, like, in this game specifically, the Eagles players didn't play well. Like, I think he had to kind of counter the play calling here. Like, the, like, I get why they went to the wide receiver screen passes. I get why they went to the quarterback draws because, like, that was their that was their easy button. They, they, did, they couldn't do anything else. Jalen Hurts didn't have a third down pass attempt. Thomas until the fourth quarter of this game, like they, they also didn't have any- a, they also didn't have a first down up until halfway over halfway in the third quarter yeah. after the second drive, like they couldn't get anything going on the on this drop back pass game. So like I I can't blame Brian Johnson for that because he tried it, and like I said, if you look back, like they there were open guys downfield, the passing concepts looked fine. I I'm uh I, I'm more worried about like his in like certain spots play calling, but I think the play calling overall. Is fine. Like the Eagles' offense is still really damn good. They're still fifth in EPA per play. They're still top ten yards, top ten points, top five in points, top five in yards. Like they're still a top five offense with Brian Johnson. So like, I don't right. want to get like guess, territory with Buffalo, just, like where the Bills, like Bills fans are like getting to fire Ken Dorsey. And he's the problem. And like, I, I don't Canada, think Brian Johnson's the the big issue here. Like, I really think that the players just have to play better sometimes. And that's kind of the big thing about football fandom is like how to separate the coaching to the players like and trying to figure out what what's worse right. and what, let's let, let, let me rephrase it then i am nine out of ten worried about situational play calling you're at you're at okay. third and seven you're at third and seven you're down 17 to seven and you run a quarterback draw yeah that, your, was that was trash you're, that was you're 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 down you're down three points you're at your own 20 yard line to begin the fourth quarter you run three rpos at the same time that one goes for incompletion one goes for one yard and one goes for two yards and you punt you go third and one, you have the tush-push play, and you decide to, for some reason to go shotgun handoff, a delayed handoff. I don't know if it was a zone, zone read or what it, what it was, but it was it was so delayed and they lose two yards on it. Like, just go with the thing that you know that works for you. And so I, I think you, you brought it up as well. The fourth down, late late in the game where they can choke it out and they can they can finish the game with the ball in their hands, they get conservative. So it's not it's not the majority of the game. It's it's a, it's it's situational and it just it it shows up it shows up in the worst possible times uh where you go what was that play call what are we doing in this situation right here yeah um you're right the situational play calling wasn't good um i thought i want to go back to the second drive of the game i watched the second drive twice now that was the best drive arguably the eagles have had all season the second drive of the game where they scored on the deandre swift run I counted three times A.J. Brown motion in the backfield. Devon Smith was in the backfield. Olamide Zacchaeus was in the backfield. They confused the hell out of the Chiefs defense on that drive. 
and the offensive line was blocking. The rhythm was there. DeAndre Swift was moving well. Like that DeAndre Swift seven-yard run when A.J. Brown was motioning in the backfield, all the eyes were on him. DeAndre Swift kind of cuts across the other side, and he's got an open lane, and he makes a couple guys miss. Like that is what Brian Johnson wanted to do all game, but the Eagles' offensive line and Jalen Hurts weren't allowing him to do it. So, like, I think there's just too much push and pull right now with who where the blame is going from Eagles fans and and what we're and what the issue was in this game. I think it was more in this game. The Eagles' offensive line and Jalen Hurts just didn't play very well. You're muted. I think you're right about that. I think especially the O line um, was the issue in this game. I think that yeah. that directly affected Hurts as well. Um, okay, I don't think I have anything else left in the offense. A couple more big picture topics I want to talk about. Let's talk about the MVP race, Thomas. I'm curious your opinion on this. Is Jalen Hurts the MVP so far through uh, through Week 11? Uh, I'm going a little bit back and forth about it. Um, I think ultimately what what goes for an MVP is is how big of a difference are you for your team and are they winning because of that? Uh, and you can absolutely check those boxes for Jalen Hurts. I mean, they're 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 the best team in the league right now, and they have the their quarterback is the the biggest reason why. Um, and I believe he's is he first or second in total touchdowns with uh, second and... second only behind Josh Allen with twenty four. Right. Okay. Yeah. What well, Hurts has twenty three. Hurts has twenty four. Josh Allen okay. has twenty six. I think. Okay. Yeah. So he's right there with that. Um, I think just in terms of. I'm going a little bit back and forth between Lamar Jackson and, and Jalen Hurts right now. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Lamar is um, he's unbelievable. I mean, the things that he the things that he does every week, and I think Lamar especially is playing mostly mistake free football, and it's just he's just so fun to watch, man. And and his his rushing ability is is it. They're they're two different types of runners, Lamar and Hurts. Where mm-hmm. Hertz is a lot more bulky, he's stronger, he'll plow much more forward. Lamar is he'll juke guys out of his cleats. Um but then I also you you think back to the Steelers game that the the Ravens lost, where they have a ninety-nine percent chance of winning. Yeah. And then a, a an a terrible Lamar fumble and they lose that game. But then you can also go back to Jalen Hurts. Like if they if they get the ball back to the Jets on a punt. Instead of throwing a near pick six and then they go up by by a touchdown there, I don't think that Zach Wilson and the Jets would have scored a touchdown against the Eagles in that game. No, if they just punted the ball back to them. So I guess you can also say, well, he also cost them a game. But I think you just at the end of the day, you go by wins, you go by the team that's winning the most, that has the quarterbacks that is that is you know getting that team the most wins. And so I think my answer right now would be yes, Jalen Hurts should be the the favorite. But I think my personal belief would be. Uh, Lamar Jackson would would probably be my pick right now. I think there's five guys that have a case right now. If because okay. it's going to go to a quarterback, um, unfortunately, it just does every single year. Yeah. I think if there was a year where it shouldn't, it could be this year. Like I think Miles Garrett is a serious case right now. I think he's got like twelve and a half sacks. Cleveland is seven and three. Like he is the anchor of the best unit in the league right now and keeping that team afloat. I think AJ Brown and Tyree Kill kind of have cases as well. But I think it's going to go to a quarterback like every single year. The five guys I think have a, that have a case is Jalen Hurts is one. Um, I think if you're going to go with Jalen Hurts' case, you're going nine and one, right? Twenty four touchdowns. Um, he's accurate. He's third in the league in completion percentage. Um, he's fifth in the league in air yards as well, which is very impressive with how accurate he's being. So he's pushing the ball deep downfield. He's third in the league in completion percentage above expectation. So there's a bunch of like stats like that where you can kind of you can stack those up and go Jalen Hurts is the MVP. Look, he's nine and one, best quarterback on the best team. Um, but I think like there's the other guys a strong case too. Like Lamar Jackson, I think he said is a very strong case. Just from the eye test, I think Lamar's playing like the best quarterback uh play uh, of the league so far. But Lamar also has the second best defense according to EPA per play right now. So like the defense is playing out lights out in Baltimore um and helping him out a lot there. And on the Eagles side of things, like they're 18th in EPA per play. So Jalen Hurts doesn't have that defense. I think CJ Stroud has a strong case with what he's doing in Houston. Yeah. Um, like I think he's playing out of his mind. He's eighth in EPA per play of all quarterbacks, just behind Jalen Hurts at seven. He's third in air yards out of all quarterbacks right now. Like he's pushing the ball deep downfield. He's accurate. Houston Texans were not supposed to be good this year. Like at least how good they are right now. So I think he has a strong case. And then um, I think the other guys, like, this may come kind of uh, off guard here, but I think Brock Purdy has a serious case right now. His EPA numbers are insane. 0.361 EPA per play right now. That is like almost double than Dak Prescott, who's at second. 
And I don't think Dak Prescott is a legit case. Like, I think if you're going to put Jalen Hurts in the conversation, Dak Prescott has to be there too. I think Dak Prescott's playing unbelievably well. The problem with Dak is, is the Cowboys haven't beaten anyone with a winning record yet. So like they don't have like the wins that Jalen Hurts has. Um, but I don't think it's clear cut at all. Like I think a lot, Jalen Hurts is a betting favor right now. He is on basically every single book. But like I think there's a long way to go, and he's got to prove himself more if he wants to win it. I kind of have like this weird take where like I would rather Jalen Hurts win it in a year he fully deserves it instead of like winning it kind of this year where there's like arguments you don't want like that phantom MVP award. I could be completely wrong here, but I, I think it would be cooler if Hurts won it on a year where he's like undoubtedly the best player. Agree. Um, did you see Nick Sirianni after the game in the tunnel yelling at Chiefs fans? Yeah, it was personal. I, uh, as an Eagles fan, I get why everyone else hates him. Like, if I was yeah. not an Eagles fan, I would hate Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni is the guy you want to have on your team. And if he's not on your team, like, everybody will hate him. Yeah. Like he's, the, uh, he's so awesome to have on your side, but he would be super annoying if he was in the opposite. Hundred percent. Like, I, I guess if I how, would, do you think that's how Chiefs fans have it with Patrick Mahomes as well? Like when you're when you're looking at Patrick Mahomes, you're seeing you're seeing a guy who is who is annoyingly good. He's so good at what he does, but he's also such a whiny bitch about getting penalties all the time. Yeah. And so when you when you're watching him, it's like, come on, I mean, you're too good to be complaining like that. It's kind of like Tom Brady. Like you're mm-hmm. so good that it doesn't make sense for you to be this this behavior. The same, I think it's kind of the same with Nick Sirianni, right? Like he's he is he's right next to Andy Reid in terms of the most winningest coach since he entered the league, and yet he has an ad, an attitude where it's just like he's 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 just having fun. He's the complete laying opposite of Andy Reid's like kind of uh, personality wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I had a good laugh at the video last night. I thought it was very funny, and the comments like people are triggered online about that one. Um, and like I think it's overrated, like the bullpen bulletin board material, like. You know what? Like, who gives a fuck? Sirianni's excited. Like, they want it. Like, he, he, this was personal for him, like you said. Um, but again, at the same time, I understand why uh, fans would be pissed off. I thought that was very entertaining. But you're right. Nine and one in back to back years, man. He has every right to be fired up. Like, that is very impressive to go 18 and two in your first nine games combined in back to back years. Like, he, uh, he's done a hell of a job coaching this team. So, hats off to him, even if it was kind of a, a dick move per se. Um, he just beat he just beat his rival and the two best teams in the AFC. Yeah, let the exactly. guy uh, let him have it. Exactly. Before we get to some Buffalo Bills stock, I gotta let you know the double double dunk podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, featuring a new cutting edge design and next generation dual skin safe blade heads for different shades. It's pretty much a spaceship to take your boys downstairs to the next level. Every man knows how scary you can get when you're looking for a close shade below the waist. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Get 20% off and free shipping using code DOUBLEDOINK at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping using code DOUBLEDOINK at manscaped.com. The Double Doink Podcast is also sponsored by Sweat Taylor. Sweat Taylor is a casual clothing brand for men that carries everything a man could want in his closet. From hoodies to joggers to polos and jeans, Sweat Taylor has you covered in every possible way. I really love the lightweight sweat hoodies they're perfect for the fall and winter weather. I highly recommend grabbing one for the Black Friday deals coming up. Make sure to check out SweatTaylor.com using code BDEGST, B-D-E-E-G-S-T for 25% off everything at SweatTaylor.com. Okay, let's finish off quickly on the Buffalo Bills. We have them coming up on Sunday. Kelly Green jerseys are back, baby. Can't wait to watch that. It's going to be very aesthetically pleasing. Um, I'll just pass the ball to you. Anything specifically you're looking forward to in this matchup? It's Kelly Green. No way they're losing. <laughs> <clears throat> the tailgate videos are going to be probably pretty interesting. Some Bills, Eagles tailgate oh, yeah. videos. Yeah, that uh, could be fun. I don't think I don't think like the NFL has the infrastructure of those two teams met nah, on a neutral they're not site. Ready. They're not ready. Like a, those, imagine those two teams on a neutral site. Eagles, Bills fans, like a tailgate off. Like it would be, yeah. it would be chaos. I think I think it's at least for me. I have so much respect for the Bills fan base and what they're, how loyal they are to there and how insane they are despite the success of their team, I guess you could say, or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I think I've always, I've always, I like the Bills. I think it's going to be an awesome game. Um, they're one of those teams that I have, uh, I have no grudge against them. So I think it's just going to be a fun game. I think it's really two really good teams. It's going to be Keller Green in Philadelphia. I think it's, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, let's kind of dive into this matchup a little bit. So kind of a weird week, right? With the holidays, Eagles are going to be off tomorrow. Um, and like the, I think the injury reports drop, like, I think there's a two day 
skip ahead on injury reports. I could be wrong here. I don't know exactly how it works, but kind of a weird week. Like you're not gonna go, you're not gonna hear a lot from the building for the next couple of days. It's gonna be quiet. Um, it will probably ramp up on Saturday before the game where you'll start hearing some more news about what's going on at uh at the Novacare complex and what's going on in Philadelphia. But um a couple matchups I'm looking forward to. Do you think they should get Darius Slay to tail stuff on Diggs? Yes. I agree. I think that's the guy you got to stop. Um, he, You pay Darius Slay to you be... You saw with C.D. Lamb what happened when you have a shifty, very terrific route runner. So Exactly. Yeah, you Darius Slay is making top 12 cornerback money. Like This is the time. Use him to tail him. I, Gabe Davis does not scare me at all. Um, Khalil Shakir is coming alive a little bit in the slot. I think they're going to try to spam him a lot on Bradley Roby and try to get him open. I expect a lot of. Clear, I like that uh, matchup for 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 Roby though. Yeah. Yep, Shakir's a little bit smaller guy. I think Roby can kind of get his hands on him, but I expect a lot more Khalil Shakir. Just get Cunningham. Push. Like yeah, that. exactly. Get some live actor pushes on him. <laughs> but um, their their weapons don't scare you a ton. Um, uh, Dawson Knox is still injured. He's out. But uh, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. I'm assuming Byron's going to probably have a lot of uh, snaps against Dalton Kincaid in this game, so that's an interesting matchup to watch here. Um, spying Josh Allen's also an interesting tactic. I'm wondering if they're going to be doing that on third downs. They did that against Patrick Mahomes. They yeah. had on Reddick doing that on Patrick a lot of times. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're very similar play styles, right? So you kind of – I'm curious to see what the game plan is on defense. Like, do they kind of go back to the man coverage heavy, blitz heavy schemes? Um, Josh Allen isn't good under pressure and not very good against the blitz kind of outside of what Dak Prescott and, uh, and Patrick Mahomes are against the blitz. Like it's, it's, if you were going to have a game plan to blitz a guy, it would be this one instead of like the Patrick Mahomes one. So it's kind of, I'm curious to see what Sean, Sean Asai has to cook up there. Um, they are very pass heavy, the fourth most pass heavy NFL, uh, NFL offense so far right now, especially on early downs, third highest pass heavy team on early downs. So they're not going to run against this Eagles team at all. No, and and I think the Eagles are a good defense to do it against because their their recency in terms of EPA against against passing ha- hasn't been great when you look over the entirety of the season. But that also go against uh, Sam Howell, aka Tom Brady, when he's playing the Eagles. Uh, so it and and I mean if they can do the same to to uh, Josh Allen as they did to Patrick Mahomes and and Tua, they're, I think they're in great shape. And especially for a guy like Josh Allen, who's maybe not the most disciplined guy in terms of being quarterback, reading the field, he has a strong arm. He can make awesome plays, but he's also one of the most turnover prone quarterbacks in the league um mm-hmm. so if you can go out there you could disguise coverages in the same success that you just did this week and then have i mean i think basically copy paste the game plan of this week would be yeah would be a pretty yeah. good way to go about it i agree with you like very similar game plan the way they play patrick Mahomes. um the bill's defense is 20th in epa per play since week six it's a key marker because in week five matt milano went out with injury in that jacksonville jaguars game in london they really miss him. He's like the best, probably top three linebackers in the NFL. They've also dropped Tredavious White, Daquan Jones. Like three key players on the Bills' defense is out and have been out since week six. They're 20th in EPA per play since then. They, If you actually take away the Jets game from last week, because the Jets' offense stinks. Like Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, like miss me with that. Like that game doesn't even count. If you take away that game, they are dead last in EPA per play on defense. Since week six, wow, this defense has not been the same since those guys have went out. So I and especially drop back EPA, they are 29th in drop back EPA basically since the week five as well. If you're going back one more week too, I I think the Eagles can have success in the passing game in this one, and I expect them to have success in the passing game. Like I think we're going to see a nice AJ Brown bounce back game in this one. Take AJ Brown overs. They don't have a guy that can stop them in the secondary. No, I think you're complete right. Um, they're fourth in giveaways. They turn the ball over a lot. Um, so I am, we're hoping that turnover luck continues because before last game against the chiefs, they didn't take the ball away very often. Yeah. Um, recently. So hopefully that can kind of continue rolling. Um, anything else on the bills game before prediction? I'm, I'm just looking forward to the Eagles D line. I mean, the, the, the way the defense played and if the offense could just put it together, uh, you know, just somewhat in the same vein that they've been, doing throughout the throughout the year i think it could be uh could be time for a complete game for the team if the defense can keep yep. up and the offense can just you know ramp it up a little bit could be in for a treat the bills just fired their offensive coordinator ken dorsey and then the week after they played well josh allen played well i i, I have i get the I to speak on my podcast i think it was all bullshit with ken dorsey like i i think he was not the problem i think it was a scapegoat i think josh allen sean mcdermott 
and the offense itself just wasn't playing well and wasn't coaching well. And I really think we're going to see that in this game. Um, I am, uh, I'm with you. I think this is the first time we'll see like a nice complete game from the Eagles. I like this matchup. Uh, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna roll, and I think yeah. they're gonna put the season to bed for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills because they're gonna drop to six and six if they lose this one, and basically that kind of puts them out of the playoff picture. They have a really tough schedule going ahead, so I really think this is gonna be like the uh, the Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills. 2023 season uh funeral and it's gonna be like for me i don't know if you're a wrestling fan but that video of sean um of uh oh my god hbk i can't why am i sean michaels when he's looking at rick flair going i love you and he kicks him in the head and knocks him out conscious that's what's gonna feel like for me because bills are like my second team and it's like i love you buffalo but it's time to go time to put it to rest so i am gonna take the philadelphia eagles to win this one 31 to 17 i think they win no way I'm very confident this game now. I'm changing mine now. Did you have 31-17 as well? Yeah, I want to go 34-17 just to do something different. Yeah, I'm confident this one, man. They're not losing in those Keller Greens. No fucking way they're losing in those Keller Green jerseys at the link. There's yeah, no that's chance. the biggest factor for me. Like All the football analytical stuff, oh, you can put that to bed. They're well in Keller Green at home. Um, it's uh, I always feel kind of... Uh, like whenever I pick the Eagles to win, especially when big, they usually just suck. Yeah. Uh, so, true. so, uh, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna put my um, I'm gonna put my head on it this time and say uh, they're gonna go 31 17 or 34 17. All right, Thomas. Anything else? An hour and six minutes, buddy. We're uh, we we chugged along today. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thanks so much for tuning, in, guys. Really appreciate it. Make sure to or quickly. Do you have any uh, tape breakdowns coming out this week? Yeah, I got uh, secondary guys coming up. Well, hell yeah. Who are you focusing on? Just the whole thing or Bradley Roby for one. Uh, I think I want to do one with with uh with just the secondary as a whole, but I want to focus in on Bradley Roby a little bit. Uh then I got some Milton Williams coming. We talked about. Yeah, baby. And uh we'll see what else if I can get some other guys done. Make sure to subscribe to Thomas's YouTube channel, Breaking the Birds, for the best Eagles film breakdowns you can find on the internet. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. It would be greatly appreciated. The Double Doing Podcast. You can find the podcast anywhere you listen to Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. We are there. Make sure to check our sponsors, Manscaped, BetterHelp, and Sweat Taylor. And we will talk to you later.